Hey there, how you doing? Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Radio Show. Are you in good form? It's the 14th of June, 2021. It's over to you to kick off the week. I'll be taking your calls and your Skypes well in around about 30 minutes or thereabouts. How about them apples, eh? It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford in Greater Manchester. But butter and whiskey will not cure. There's no cure for. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, sure, there's the big baldy gammon himself. I'll give you the contact details. You probably know them by now. Chat with Richie is the Skype handle. That is all one word, chat with Richie, and there's no tea in Richie. And if you'd like to call me by the old dog and bone, it's 0161818018. Overseas, it's plus 44161818018. If you didn't write that information down quick enough, Bigara. Well, you can find it on richieallen.co.uk because I posted a little thing about taking your calls today. So there you are, if you haven't written it down. I'll also mention it again in a few moments. Don't try and ring now. It's only ever monitored that during a live phone-in show. Those, that phone line and Skype was set up specifically for the phone-in. When I turn it on once in the blue moon, I, I get all these missed calls. People think I'm, you know, on the other end of it 24-7 which I'm not, obviously, but there you are. You can't tell people. They just don't believe you. You can uh, also drop me a tweet. It's BBG Richie. That is my Twitter thingamajig. BBG Richie there on Twitter. It's been a busy old day on Twitter, for me anyway. So it has been fairly busy. A lot of people annoyed today. Why do you think that is? Well, in around about uh, an hour's time, the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Tweedledum and Tweedledee, otherwise known as Patrick Valance, the government's chief scientific advisor, and Chris Whitty, who's England's chief medical officer. They're going to address the nation and say that the 21st of June, this coming Monday, next Monday, well, we're not going to be giving you your freedoms as we had originally said we would do. We're probably going to delay it for about a week. There's a lot of annoyance about that today. A lot of people are pissed right off and they're getting annoyed with the unvaccinated. The unsullied, I prefer to call us, because the vaccine isn't a vaccine, really. It's not a vaccine. None of them are. So, as it isn't a vaccine, let's call ourselves what we are, the unsullied. We're the unsullied. We haven't been sullied by that toxic crap. Anyway, everybody reported today, and it is the day's biggest story in terms of the mainstream media, that the coronavirus rules that are in existence right now will continue to be in existence for about a month after the planned 21st of June unlocking. Not a very well-kept secret, this. We've known this for a long time. You and I have, anyway. But the papers have been saying it for a few days, and the broadcasters, senior ministers have apparently agreed to delay the lifting of all legal restrictions on social contact. Now, this is going to be a, a very big deal. It is a very big deal for sports, for pubs, for cinemas... Restaurants, obviously, and nightclubs, because nightclubs will have to stay closed. And in restaurants, you can only have 
the table of six and you've got all that restrictions inside, meaning social distancing, meaning that restaurants can't have as many people inside as they would like. So the capacity limits for sports, for pubs and cinemas will remain. Nightclubs must stay closed. Johnson is expected to confirm all of this at around about six o'clock British summer time this evening. All right, the extension will be put to a Commons vote apparently and some sources are claiming this might trigger a sizable Conservative backbench rebellion. You'll know that the COVID recovery group, Steve Baker and others on the backbenches, they're apparently not happy. They were saying that everything should be unlocked and all restrictions thrown away on June 21st, no matter what. Ah, well, they're not getting their way. Uh, The witch doctors were rolled out today. The witch doctors are delighted, of course. None more than Ravi Gupta. You've seen him quite a bit during the scamdemic. He's a microbiologist from Cambridge University. Here is Ravi Gupta speaking to Sky News this afternoon. The ideal scenario is that we just, you know, uh, stay in a permanent lockdown until everyone's vaccinated and then we... What? What was that again? The ideal scenario is? The ideal scenario is that we just, you know, uh, stay in a permanent lockdown until everyone's vaccinated and then we release it. But of course, that's not feasible or practical. It's not feasible or practical, but he'd love to do it. They would love to do that. They would really love to do it. Let's keep it all locked down until every last one of them accepts the poison. Anyway. Uh, uh, and, and, and therefore, we have to um, do the best that we can in terms of striking the right balance between safety for the population, but also um, people's psychological and economic welfare uh, um, uh, that also plays into our, our overall health, of course. It's not just coronavirus that threatens our health. There are many other things. Do you see why, why there are many asking the question, why are we in this situation this summer where we've got a really successful vaccination programme, we've had remarkable uptake of the vaccine, we've got a really good proportion of the adult population that have been vaccinated, and yet we're seeing more restrictions than we did last summer when we didn't even have a vaccine? Yeah, well, there are a number of, a couple of things there. First of all, this is a, a very different virus than the one we faced last year. This virus is potentially, um, you know, uh, twice as infectious as... Potentially. ...as infectious as the one that we had last summer. Because, of course, in between them, we had the B117 or Kent variant that was 50% more transmissible. And then we have this virus, which is something like 50, 40 to 70% more transmissible compared to the B117. So we're looking at a virus that really has stepped its game up. Uh, and although we have vaccines, those vaccines were de- designed against the virus we had last year. So we must bear in mind that... Is this- anybody believing this stuff, really? Is anybody... I mean, they must be. They're rushing to the vaccination centres or the, the, the injection centres. They must be believing it. Summer, because, of course, in between them, we had the B117 or Kent variant that was 50% more transmissible. And then we have this virus, which is something like 50, 40 to 70% more transmissible compared to the B117. So we're looking at a virus that really has stepped its game up. Uh, and although we have vaccines, those vaccines were de- designed against the virus we had last year. The virus has stepped its game up. And even though we have all these vaccines that we are pumping into people's arms at a rate of hundreds of thousands a day. Listen to this now, I'm not making this up. The, the virus has stepped its game up. Even though we are vaccinating people at the moment, the vaccine we are giving them, he said this now, I'm not paraphrasing, but I am paraphrasing, but he said, effectively, it's no good. It's only good against last year's variant. Yes, 
they're screaming at the unsullied on social media today for us to go and take the vaccine, the injection, while goons like Ravi Gupta are going on national television and admitting that the vaccine is really no good now. It's really no good at all because it's for last year's COVID. And so it goes on and on and on. Last year. So we must bear in mind that this is a virus that is that we're chasing all the time. Yeah, and they'll be chasing it for the next two or three years. And three or four times a year, you'll be invited to pop down the vaccination centre again. I know you've only been uh, with us, uh, what was it, six weeks ago, Mr. Allen? But we found another variant. But luckily enough now, these mRNA vaccines, it's great. We've just got to change the code. Just a little bit tweaked it. We've got a new jab. It's a new jab. It's the way to be. This is the new jab for you and me. Come down and have another one and another one and another one. It's astonishing. Presenter is as thick as pig shit. Not to say to him, well, if the vaccines are only any good for last year's COVID and you're saying that last year's COVID is not really circulating now, that the dominant strain is this Delta Indian thing, why are you telling people to go and get this vaccine then? But no, that would be doing your job. And that we, we, you know, that the rules we made last year may not apply this year. And, we, and, and if we don't keep that open mind and, and, and understand the great strides that are being made by uh, a number of different scientists, but also uh, policymakers, um, then we will get caught out. And we don't want to do that because we are, we are very close to, to controlling this. We are tantalisingly close. We'll always be tantalisingly close, but... It's never going to end. She did ask him, did the presenter, when should we stop worrying about variants then? Yes, yeah, so of course, we've never been here before. There's never been a, a virus like this that we have, we've, we've had to face. And so, um, you know, the, 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 the answer to the question, when is it enough and when do we stop worrying about variants is really one that's open to debate and we should be having that discussion openly. I don't think anybody, scientists included, want to be dealing with variants day in, day out, you know, for, for, for you know, uh, forever. So we, Liar. we will need to come to um, uh, some sort of consensus. But at the same time, we want to be getting a step ahead of the virus. You know, we don't want to be chasing it all the time. And that's why the surveillance that's being done by COG UK and others. Um, surveillance. Um, the, the research that's happening on the biological properties are absolutely crucial because when we understand the virus better, we can then plan ahead and then develop the next generation of vaccines. Yeah, it's just never-ending vaccines. We can plan ahead and develop the next generation of vaccines. And then plan ahead and then develop the next generation of vaccines that hopefully will protect us in, in, uh, in, in, in the longer term against, hopefully. against the virus. Professor Ravi Gupta, good to hear from you. Thank you. Oh, it's lovely to hear from you, Professor. I'm not going to ask you a question. Just move on to the next witch doctor and let the next witch doctor talk utter bollocks, monumental bollocks, and allow the next witch doctor do the same thing. That's what it is. That's what I do for a living now. Honest to God, a friend of mine said in Ireland, who I've not been in touch with for years, and the chap has no idea that I do this radio show, got in touch with me and says, uh, what do you do these, these days, Richie? I, said, I watch witch doctors on television, given basically open season to talk monumental bollocks, unchallenged, unfettered, unencumbered by the presenters asking him questions. Madness. Yes, you did hear Ravi Gupta say that the vaccine is effectively useless against last year's singing me jig. And that it only gives you X amount of, you know, coverage against the Kent variant. And we think it might give you 40 to 70% protection against the Delta variant. That's what we think. But we need to get ahead of it now and have these 
vaccines all ready to go for when it mutates again and again and again and again. This is nonsense and I don't need to have a medical degree, whether it's microbiology or epidemiology, to know that this is nonsense. Because I can read. You just need to read, you know, just have a basic sixth form reading ability and away you go. You can read yourself online that this is just nonsense. Mad stuff. I was interested today to hear John Redwood, a dinosaur Conservative Party MP and a former leadership candidate you might remember for the Tories many moons ago. He was on Mike Graham's talk radio show and the subject of vaccination status came up. You might want to listen to this. The other strategy I've always favoured rather more, which is doing the maximum to protect all those who are most at risk of the serious disease. The vaccine is pretty good protection. But if anybody can't be vaccinated or if they're still worried about the residual risk with the vaccine, there are ways that we can support them so that they can limit their number of social contacts. But I don't think it means the whole of the rest of the country should be doing that. No, of course. But how many more times are we going to have the same conversation, Sir John? Because at the end of the day, you know, we were told categorically that June the 21st was being protected because that was the most important thing for the economy. And I agree with that. And that was why people who were on holiday in Portugal and people who had booked holidays in Portugal were told that Portugal was now considered to be a dangerous place and you should come back early. Now, if that didn't mean anything, why did they bother saying it? Well, I think in fairness to them, they always said that um, this was an indicative timetable, but they would be data-driven right up to the decision point. And the bad news is that the data they look at is clearly deteriorating in the way they didn't want. So... Let us wait and see what they actually say. I'm still hoping that there will be some relaxations uh, in addition to the ones we already enjoy. Uh, and if they really want an extension, I hope it will be a very flexible time extension with constant recourse to the data so that as soon as it's better, we can get out of this thing. Mm, Redwood doesn't have the balls to just tell. None of them do, by the way. You see these uh, COVID recovery group of Conservative Party MPs that are supposed to be on your side, None of them has the balls, given the opportunity. None of them has the balls to address the nightclub and theatre owners and restaurateurs and tell them, open up. Now, not next Monday. Do it now. And ignore the goons in number 10 and number 11, down in, 11 Downing Street. Ignore the witch doctors, just open up. Did you catch that bit from Redwood there about vaccination status? But if anybody can't be vaccinated or if they're still worried about the residual risk with the vaccine, there are ways that we can support them so that they can limit their number of social contacts. But I don't think it means the whole of the rest of the country should be doing that. It, I don't think it means the rest of the country should be doing that. Now, this is not exactly Tony Blair, but it isn't far from Tony Blair. You might remember Blair, the murderer, said 10 or so days ago that those who haven't taken the jabs, they, they shouldn't have the same freedoms as those who have. Blair is adamant on this point. And you heard Redwood there say, well, basically, people who haven't had the jab, let's help those people to reduce their social contacts and give them support, effectively, until they do get the jab. I wonder, when does that morph, by just changing a couple of words in the sentence, when does that become those who have refused to take the jab are unfortunately going to be compelled to reduce their social contacts, compelled to reduce their movements and all the rest of it. You've got to watch that one closely now. Michael Gove, squirrely moron that sits on, the British government sits in the cabinet 
Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, I believe is his ridiculous title. Gove was sent off to look at vaccine passports for domestic use. He hasn't reported back yet. It's going to be very interesting when he does to see what indeed he actually says. I'm going to take a tune now, believe it or not. And then when we come back from the tune, I'm going to share, we're going to hear some restaurateurs and theatres. Uh, I should say restaurateurs and theatre owners talking about what this means for them. The fact that they have been told now that they won't be able to open up fully on June 21st. Back in a moment after this tune from Elastica or Elastica. I always said Elastica. That's how it is. It's called Connection and it's on Monday's Richie Allen Radio Show live from Stalford. It is me, the BBG. I will be taking your calls in about 20 minutes' time and you can Skype me, you can tweet me even BBG Richie on Twitter, BBG Richie. BBG Richie. Connection, connection from Elastica, Elastica, it is Elastica, and it's 19 minutes past five o'clock this Monday. The Wandering Shrew tweeted me to say Richie Gove went to Israel for the passport directives. He didn't go to Israel for the passport directives. That wouldn't be fair. He went to watch the the Israeli green passport in operation. He definitely did that. And as far as I remember, he was accompanied by none other than Jonathan Van Tam. Yeah, him. Yeah, he went with him. But they haven't yet reported back. We'll have to wait and see. Hi to Paul Foster. I'm just throwing out names here now. Hi to Willie. Willie Woke. Hi to Stephen. Hi to Mohojo who says, here's a discussion point, Richie. If you get jabbed today, you need to wait now eight weeks for the second jab. If you get jabbed in uh, four weeks from today, the same. However, if lockdown ends, so does the emergency vax. Ain't going to happen, is it, says Mohojo. Yeah, it's an interesting point, that. And maybe it'll be picked up during the phone-in. Let me give you the contact details before we quickly uh, hear from one or two Stakeholders is a term. This is a cliche for you right there. Stakeholders. Business owners who are going to be badly affected by the delay. My contact details for the phone in. It's Skype. The Skype handle or Skype name is Chat with Richie, all one word. Doesn't cost you anything to Skype me. Or you can call 0161818018. That's 0161818018. If you're calling from overseas, you drop the zero, so it's plus four four one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. Those details are on richieallen.co.uk. So if you can't write them down quick enough, don't cry about it. Just go to richieallen.co.uk. That is my website. Nothing on there today. I didn't have time. I was busy today. Hi to David Keane. Good evening, David. Right, so to be fair to the broadcasters today, we don't like being fair to them, but you've got to be honest about things. They did hear from theatre owners and restaurateurs who are very unhappy. Here's the, the, the actor, the great actor, theatre and film, Simon Callow speaking to the BBC. It's already a, a, a huge amount of money. The expenditure is enormous. And it sounds so little, doesn't it? Four weeks. But across the whole industry, that's an enormous amount of money, which we don't have. We just don't have the money. It's not like we're losing uh, uh, tons of money that we've got stashed away. We're all of us, almost all of us, bankrupt now. 
because of, uh, of, of this long, 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 long wait. And uh, it, it seems that from everything one can uh, uh, derive from the medical uh, uh, um, uh, analysis of the situation, that there is no great extra danger of appearing in uh, going to a theatre. It's just not dangerous at the moment and uh, i think it's 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 a sort of false uh, uh, over sensitivity to uh, a potential situation and that could go on forever if it's going to be another four weeks then at the end of the four weeks another four weeks and another four weeks we'll all be finished by then we'll all be finished he was great in four weddings and a funeral wasn't he, he played a great part and then michael nary michael has a company called Talking Props. He's a stage school, basically. Not only is he a stage school, but he produces shows as well. He's a young man, and I thought he was pretty good on the BBC News Channel this afternoon, even if he doesn't quite get it. He was good anyway. He owns a stage school, and he produces shows for children. That's how he makes his living, and he's going bust as well. Why is the ownership down to the business? Why are the people not being responsible? If you feel you're vulnerable, if you feel that you're not ready to come out and play yet, that's absolutely fine. Stay at home. But as a business, we shouldn't be forced to reduce our business and make do because of a few people that may or may not be ready for, for that leap yet. And that's mm. absolutely fine. That's their, that's their choice to take. But everyone's been jabbed. It's great. We should uh, clarify, because you mentioned Andrew Lloyd Webber there, um, just in case people aren't aware that he said he is determined to open his theatre on the 21st of June, whether there's easing of restrictions or not, and he will increase capacity, even if he risks uh, being arrested. And I sort of sense, listening to you, that you, you share that sense of rebelliousness, even if you're going to break the law. Absolutely. I should have said Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's all right. He'll forgive you, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I absolutely 100% concur with him. And I say anyone out there now, start a revolution like Lame is and don't sit down and don't take no for an answer. Open your shows because it is safe to do so. Start a revolution like Lame is, he said. Good man. The vaccination programme is a huge success and it's a huge undertaking of the NHS and well done to them for doing that. God love him. He doesn't know what he's talking about, but we can forgive that. We should be able to reap the rewards of that and open. So, Mr Lloyd, Sir Lloyd Webber, anyone who is watching, small producer, 100 seats, 10,000 seats, open your theatres, start a hashtag, I don't care. It is enough is enough. Enough is enough. And... I've played by the rules for 18 months now and I've been really reserved and really tried to keep my, my level head and my business head and my sense of ownership and, um, you know, community to, to my students. But enough's enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. He went on a bit further, did young Michael, the uh, theatre owner and uh, stage school owner. Why are we now looking at restrictions on businesses? Why are we not putting the ownership onto people? If I've been double vaccinated and I feel safe to go about my business, I have a right to do that. If you've had a single dose, you need to be more careful and maybe only go outdoors. That's absolutely fine. If you're choosing not to be vaccinated, that's your risk. Why are the businesses paying for a small proportion of people now who just need to get their jabs? It's, it's, I think it's down to the person. In, in my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm. anyone who is vulnerable or with an older age that makes them vulnerable have now been double jabbed. So it's great that we're going to get all these extra vaccinations within the next month. I'm not disputing that in the slightest. But we're vaccinating people that weren't really vulnerable in the first place. Yes, they're going to prevent the spread, and mm. I fully concur with that, but they're not vulnerable in themselves. And the people that they would have been spreading to who were vulnerable have been double jabbed. Mm. Yeah, a lot of annoyance, uh, amongst, particularly amongst theatre 
owners today. I'm not going to give you the old spiel about the importance of the theatre for our well-being, for our souls. We've done all that before. It's dreadful stuff, this. As I said, Johnson is expected at six o'clock, flanked by none other than Witty and Valance. Johnson is expected to confirm that, in fact, yes, the... uh, the unlocking uh, is not going to happen on June 21st and it's going to take a little bit longer. So there you are. Yeah. So there you are. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, speaking of uh, theatre people and actors, uh, here's the great Sir Ben Kingsley when he was told that theatres wouldn't be fully reopening on June 21st. The great Sir Ben Kingsley, he's not happy either. Not happy at all. Not this fucking time. No! No, 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 no! No! No, 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 no! No! Not this fucking time! No fucking way! No fucking way! No fucking way! No fucking way! You made me look a right cunt! Yes, absolutely. Dreadful, dreadful that. That was Sir Ben Kingsley on BBC Breakfast this morning. They had to cut him off there, I think, at that stage. Look, I know it isn't funny. It isn't funny if you own a theatre. It isn't funny if you're an actor or an actress and you're desperately in need to get back working. Um... It's dreadful, isn't it? 27 minutes past five. We'll finish with the round of, of sound bites from business owners with Andy Jones. Andy owns a restaurant in London. It's a family restaurant. It's been in his family for years. Here he is again on Sky News late this afternoon. Andy Jones then. The impact is, again, huge to everybody across the hospitality sector. I am sick to the back teeth this government constantly moving the goalposts, constantly giving us a date that we can work to and shifting what we're trying to do. People are budgeting, people are trying to get through, people are trying to get extra numbers into their premises and we're just being told consistently we're not allowed to do this, we're not allowed to do that. At what point are we going to let the vaccine work and everybody get on with our lives? When can we trade? We're trading safely and a lot of us are trading well. When we came back, when the outside was uh, outside dining was allowed, there was a bump a few weeks. You can speak to anybody in restaurants. It was incredible. It was hard to find staff, but the numbers were amazing. Okay. I don't understand what guys like him have to lose in opening up. This has plagued me. And it plagued the businessman Simon Dolan as well. I had this conversation with Simon last time he was on, which is a good, good few months ago, actually. He said, you know, how do you... How do you figure that out, that businesses will continue to hemorrhage money and get further and further into trouble and not just say, well, I've got nothing to lose now. I'm going to open my business and invite people to come over. I mean, they might not come over. Maybe people will have been programmed to such an extent that they'll become or or have become reluctant to go out, maybe. I don't know. But open up, man. What are they going to do? Send, Send the old bill around. So what? You know, stand your ground. Oh, yeah. When everywhere opened inside, there was a big slump in sales. Now they're moving the goalposts again with the added pressure of the football, and I'm talking about restaurants now, the added pressure of the football taking people to pubs, taking people to beer gardens, taking people to watching the football in their homes. This next month is a disaster for the hospitality industry. The pubs will do well, but then again, they're hamstrung by how many people they can have in. When are we going to be able to trade and trade correctly? Because if you look at things, 20,000 people are allowed in a stadium, which I'm all for. I wish Wembley was full for all the games. I wish that all the stadiums were full. But if you've got 20,000 people 
you know, everybody happy, embracing each other, jumping on each other. How does that make sense to say then you're not allowed a seventh person yeah. at your dinner table? Absolutely. It's absolutely bizarre how these things are being made up by the government. At the basic level, it's arbitrary. At the basic level, it's arbitrary. But you can't believe that anybody could be so stupid to say to people, you can, you can have no more than 30 people at your wedding, but we're going to let thousands of people into a football stadium. It's arbitrary at a basic level, but on the real level, on the genuine level, it's something completely different. You and I both know that. Hey, speaking of football, I asked a question yesterday. I asked a question. I don't make sweeping statements about things for which I have no proof. I asked a question about Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen is a football player and he's very good. And at the weekend he was playing in a football match and he collapsed. Apparently he had a cardiac arrest, which isn't the same as a heart attack. I said heart attack on Twitter. Of course, it's a different thing. Anyway, his teammates helped him out. His team doctor helped him out. And thankfully, the lad is doing well. Good for him, right? I asked the question after the team doctor said, we did cardiac resus. We got him back after one defib. So that's quite fast. The examinations that have been done so far look fine. We don't have an explanation to why it happened. We don't have an explanation to why it happened. The examinations that have been done so far look fine. I posed the kesht. The kesht, that's the Irish word for question. Did he have a vaccine? I didn't say he did, because I, I, I don't know. But I understood that... Now, I didn't see any directive from UEFA, the governing body, but I understood that many teams, including the Spanish team, had assured or sought to assure UEFA or, or, or the authorities in the UK and elsewhere. The Spaniards said, well, we vaccinated our lads. So I don't know if the midfielder who collapsed on Saturday had a vaccine, but I'd like to know is what I'd like. I'd like to know. I've also, by the way, sent a couple of freedom of information requests. I don't know if I'll get any responses. I want to know exactly, now I know the exact figure will be difficult for the government to provide, but I want to know how many people have officially told the government, piss off, I don't want your poison jab. I want to know that. It's very important that we know that. How many people have said, no thank you? You might remember Ron, the octogenarian gentleman, nice gentleman, who came on the programme on one of the phone-ins earlier this year. Ron said when he was invited to have the, the vaccination and said, no, thank you. Somebody on the other end of the line said, well, we'll put you on the decline list. So they must be, somebody must be keeping tabs on those who say no. And I'd like to know how many people have said no. What's going on at the moment, in my opinion, and I'm going to throw it over to you now in about five minutes' time, and please be brief today. I, I'm, I always say this, and then I let you away with it, but I'm not letting you away with it today. I want you to be brief. I'm not going to cut you off quick or prematurely or kick you off uh, the air. I'm not going to do that, but think of the fact that there are people queuing up behind you. You know what you want to say? Come on and say it to me, and then skedaddle, and we'll get somebody else on, right? We'll have a chat for a couple of minutes, but then we'll get other people on. What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. Look, this was never, ever, 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 ever about a virus. It's always been about one thing, or maybe two things. Maybe one thing that you can broaden out to two or three things. 
it's always been about vaccinating. Now, I shouldn't use the word vaccine. It's always been about jabbing people. That's been the end game. And of course, changing human behaviour. Changing our behaviour around how we interact with one another. That's what it's been about from day one. The delay on June 21st, we knew it was inevitable. It's no big surprise to you and me. For me, I know you're going to say, well, this is obvious, Richie. But you might think it's obvious, but you've got to think about this. It's all about getting an injection into everybody. They will not accept, whether it's hundreds of thousands or even millions, maybe it's millions. The population is 67 point something million, right? Maybe two or three million don't want the injection. Maybe. Maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's half a million. I don't know, you see. My point is, they won't accept that. That's intolerable for them. For them, everyone has got to take it. Whatever they need to do to make that happen, everybody has got to take it. And what I would like people to do I've just had a tweet from somebody who's new to the show. That's lovely. And you've come you've come in, you've found this show presumably because you're unsatisfied with with the commercial legacy media. So what I want you to do and everybody else to do who's new to programmes like this, start asking yourselves, why are they so desperate for people to have this injection? Why? The, the the infection itself, SARS-CoV-2, whatever it is. I know a lot of you don't believe it exists and I respect your right to have that opinion. I don't know. How could I know? Let's pretend it, it is real for a minute. Whatever it is, it's harmless to the great majority of people on planet Earth. Nobody can dispute that. Not even the most ardent you know, follower of politics, not even the most ardent mainstream person. It's a terrible way of phrasing that. They must know that the thing is of no great, there's no great necessity for it. So when you accept that, please start asking, I'm, I'm saying this to new listeners, start asking yourself, why are they so desperate for you to take two doses of essentially the same medicine? And then take a third dose sometime in September of the same medicine. Why? Why are they going to such lengths to coerce you? The answer is, there must be something in the medicine. Something else. It must do something else to those who receive it. And that's what I want people to get out of, you know, these next few weeks as they say, no, we've got to delay it now by four weeks until sometime in mid to late July. And then as we approach mid to late July, they start moving the goalposts again and they say, Jesus, now, look, cases are still up there. We're really worried about the NHS. So look, we'll, we'll, we'll just open a smidgen more, but we're going to ask you to keep wearing the masks and the distancing. It's time that we start asking, what's in the medicine? Why are they so desperate for us to have it when the vast majority of us don't need it? And don't forget, dear listener, they're currently, allegedly, 
weighing up whether or not to give it to young children. This is bull spit, of course. You and I know this. The decision has already been made to give this crap to children. Yeah. Anyway, let me give you the contact details and I'm going to the phones and, as I said, please be succinct as, as possible. Right, you're not coming on to have a good old chin wag with me for 20 minutes. We need to get as many people on as we can today. The Skype line is chat with Richie, all one word. You can phone me if you don't do Skype. I'm 0161-818-2018. That's in the UK. Plus 44161-818-2018. If you're outside the UK, all the details are on richieallen.co.uk. richieallen.co.uk. If you didn't write them down, and if you're on Twitter, you'll see them, right, because they're there. Anyway, it is a Monday's programme, the beginning of a brand new week. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. I'll open the lines in about two minutes' time. That is uh, music from Suede, of course. Don't ask me what year. I should know. I think it's 95 or 96 anyway. It's uh, 19 minutes to 6 o'clock. The Richie Allen Radio Show is live as usual from sunny Salford. It's warm today, but not as bad as it's been in recent days. Straight to the telephones. Uh, do Skype me, chat with Richie on Skype. The telephone number 0161818 Looking forward to hearing from you. Straight to the lines. Welcome caller, you're first in. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. How are you? Um, it's Cindy here. I'm not sure if you remember me. Um, of course I, I remember you. Was, um, Cindy, how are you doing? Cindy Connolly, you were only on with me yeah. a few weeks back. You had all that lunacy when you went home from London to look after your dad. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I, I sent you an email there last week. I actually, um, I, I've closed down all my social media because... Uh, I just couldn't cope with all the negativity and everything. And um, you're actually the only person that's keeping me sane at the moment, apart from close friends, my partner and um, a few family members. But uh, um, I want to make two points, Richie. Um, The first point is um, I actually I don't think I mentioned it on your radio show, but I actually went home because my dad had a reaction to the um, Pfizer vaccine. No, you didn't mention that. Can I ask yeah. you? Can I ask you why did you not mention that at the time? Were you worried that you might get some backlash if you did mention? No, it? no. I, I, you know what? It just. I never. It, the question never came up, and I was so. It really affected me. The whole, um, like, what everything that happened. It really affected me. I felt very, very anxious, and it just never came up in the conversation. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't as sceptical of it the vaccine, although I had said, you know, myself and my brother had spoken about it and I said that I'm definitely not getting that um, injection because uh, it's had no testing and it's experimental. And, you know, the more, because of what happened to me, I started to look into everything a lot more. Right. Um, hey, Cindy, hey, Cindy, hang on. Can I, can I just very quickly sum up because yeah. it's very important. Um, you're listening to Cindy. Cindy lives in London. She's obviously an Irish lady and, uh, she went back to visit her dad in Dublin a few, quite a few weeks back, and as Cindy said there, um, the dad had had a, had a reaction to uh, the the jab, the Pfizer jab, and when she got there, um, a nightmare began. Effectively, Cindy had had a test in London to clear her to fly out of London into Dublin. When she got into Dublin, they said, "Oh, you haven't got the right test for us, and we're not happy with this." And they essentially forced her. I'm going to be as quick as I can with this. They 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 forced her to get on a bus. This was this bus was staffed with military people, and they took her to a hotel against her will, with with some other people as well. It must be said, um, eff- effectively kidnapping. Um, this this lady who there was nothing wrong with her, and it made national news in, in Ireland. But it, it's fair to say, the 
the media weren't sympathetic to you astonishingly they weren't sympathetic to what happened yeah. to you it's just dreadful yeah. stuff it's like banana republic stuff and it happened in Ireland and that's why Cindy yeah. came on to talk to us about that and uh, I know you're back on um, yeah. Jesus, yeah so I just wanted to uh, first of all thanks very much I've been listening to your show every single day since and I've passed on the link to many many people uh, my brother kind. is an avid listener. My partner listens all the time. We have a good old laugh. I mean, I belly laugh. And I, I even, uh, I've listened to previous podcasts as well. I just have to, I, I can't get enough of it, to be honest. It's brilliant. So thanks very much. Not Richie. at all. You're very kind. Second point I want to make is when I do come back, I cancel my TV license because, number one, I don't watch the TV. Number two, I don't want to pay for all these lies that's been spouted out on the TV. So, um, and I would urge other listeners to do exactly the same thing. You don't need a TV if you're not streaming live TV. Um, and also the the, um, the amount of money that I pay for my TV license, I've now set up a direct debit to your radio station because I think, um, you know, you need all the help you can get. I just want to say, brilliant like they're going to think. They're going to think I set you up to do this. They're going to think I set you up to do this. No, well, I just praise. thought I'm going to get Thanks in there first much. because. Because it's just, you know, you don't, I don't think, well, maybe do, but but I just wanted to express the fact that you're you're actually keeping me sane because what's going on at the moment, I'm just like, it's horrendous, God's isn't it? And um, the, 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 I've never laughed so much and I just think it's brilliant. So um, I would urge other people to do the same, cancel your TV licence and uh, get your direct debit set up to, to help the Richie Allen show and, um, you know, there's not a lot more I can say other than thanks very much, Richie, and we really appreciate it. And, not I'm, at all. and I'm really proud of you, and as, as an Irish person, I'm, I'm proud of you, and you're doing a fab job and all the best, you know. Cindy, you're amazing. Thanks for saying that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the way you dealt with all of that crap a few weeks back. And I'm glad Thank you're back you. in London. And obviously, I was going to ask you, how is your dad then? Presumably, because Pfizer oh. is a two jabs thing as well. Did he get the second one, or did he say no to it? Or? Uh, it was after the second one. Oh, that it was he after ended up the second hospital. one. And how is he now? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's okay. I mean, um, like he's 80, so um, he's got, you know, he has quite a lot of problems. But the funny thing is, my dad actually wrote his life story and he finished, he was writing it for years and he actually finished it during the pandemic because he was so scared that he was going to get COVID and die. Right. He actually finished it and, and like the book is out and online and everything. But it's, it just shows you the impact that it has on people that yeah. he believed that he was going to die from this, you know? Um, and yes, he was absolutely fine. And then when he got the vaccine, he ended up in hospital. So, Well, look, let's I hope mean, he stays you know. in, in, in good health and, and in good oh, spirits. He's a strong, strong man. <laughs> look, we'll talk again. If you're in this neck of the woods at all, up around Salford, Media City, uh, Cindy, um, just give us a shout. We'll, we'll, we'll meet and we'll have. I owe you a beer after that eulogy you just gave me there. I'm amazed. Yeah, by that. But thanks very you're much. Not dead yet, no, no, no. I shouldn't have said eulogy. No, tribute. Tribute is the word. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's really kind of you, Cindy. Thanks. And I'm glad that. Not at all. I'm glad you're in better form than you were when we last spoke. Oh, thank God, yeah, absolutely. But the warm weather helps, so long may it continue. Yeah, and listen, regards to your, your partner and everybody else who's listening, because of you, people that you've shared the uh, uh, the podcast with, I do really appreciate oh, it's that. Growing, Thanks so Richie, much. It's growing, I'm telling you now. The Thanks. more people that listen to it, that tell me, you know, I listen to this radio, it's, it's absolutely brilliant, I love it. It's just, it really does help, you know, it really does have an impact and it really helps. And even, like, my kids, they're like one of them is in their 20s and they're late teens and we are always have a good laugh when, and it makes them think as well you know yeah, it yeah. makes them think and that's important because that's, that's the next generation 
Do you know what, Cindy? It's, it's, if I, it's, it's funny you're talking about the youngsters. The, the, I, I know a 20-something-year-old who lives in Salford who listens, and he finds it yeah. amusing as well. And I said, yeah. look, if, if, if we don't see the... If we don't see the ludicrous aspect of it, if we don't see that and laugh at it, well, I know it sounds like yeah. a cliche, but we will go mad. You know, I nearly went mad yeah. last November. I nearly jacked it all yeah. in last November. I got so fed up of it. But I just yeah. see the silliness of it and just laugh yeah. at it. And somehow, I don't know, it, it helps me cope. So, uh, yeah. And that's what you have to do. And anyone out there who is feeling, because I spoke to someone today, I was in work and I spoke to someone today who said they just felt so down and I said listen you're not alone so what you have to do is reach out to networks like this and and surround yourself by people that are like-minded that's the important thing do you, you know what I mean so that you're not you're not run down by other people who are just following the mainstream media you've got to surround yourself by people who are like-minded who think like you do and 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 then you'll survive you know you'll keep your sanity and we can all have a good laugh at them you know stay in touch won't you I will do, Richie. Thanks very much. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. That's the lovely Cindy Connolly. Uh, Cindy's story, national news, as I said, only a few weeks back. Listen, there's lots and lots of calls coming in. I am going to get through them as quick as I can, right? Uh, Let's have a look. I know that that, um, um, my mate Alan in in Liverpool uh, was... um, trying to get through. I'm going to have a word with him now and then I'll, I'll get through as many calls as I possibly can. Listen, it's uh, Chat with Richie on Skype. Skype Chat with Richie. It's 0161-818-2018 if you're calling from outside the country. It's plus 44161-818-2018. All right. Loads and loads of time. It's only 10 minutes to 6 o'clock. Let's, um, we might have Alan from Liverpool on Mr. the line. How you doing, son? You well? I'm not bad, mate. I'm just going to you. Yeah, I, well, I saw you were trying to get through and you did say this morning and you haven't been on, or at least not for a couple of years. So I said I'd give you a quick bell there. Um, look, we, we know you as a working musician and roadie. It's not great at the moment, is it? Uh, no, I've, I'm no longer doing, as you call it, a roadie. I was on a lighting technician by three, but I'm no longer doing that anymore. I was made redundant in November uh, last year. Well, I'm, I'm currently working as a you know what I mean? Because lighting's sparking. So I'm doing yeah. that for manufacturer of aircraft wings, certain place not far from where we are. I don't want to name them for obvious reasons. I don't want to get shot. You know? <laughs> or at least let go. It might not necessarily be shot, but but yeah. then you never know. But you? I, I did a gig on Friday, Richie. Can you believe that? Where, did you, I, did a, I did an actual gig. Where were you gigging on Friday? A real pagan gig. In a restaurant on uh, in Lark Lane in Liverpool, which if, for people who don't know Liverpool, uh, Lark Lane's like a, it's near a big park called Sefton Park, and yeah. part of Sefton Park, big old Victorian style park. And I, I believe Central Park in New York is meant to be based on that park. I don't know, maybe that's just a scouse urban myth because we think we're great. I don't know. Well, you are great. I hate but, to admit it. You know, you are, I love I, Liverpool. Tell me this. So tell us about the gig on Friday then. So right. what was it like in the restaurant? Were people mingling around? Were they a bit, with, with their social distancing going on? Were there any rules and regulations? Alan, what was going on? I said to me, mate, uh, Paul, I hope he's listening. Telling, telling him to uh, listen to you. And he, um, I said to him, I'm not wearing a mask. He did. 
And I said to him, I'll just tell them I'm, ex I'm exempt. And because he's a mental health professional, he's like, oh, yeah, tell him you've got COPD. I'll back you up. And I was like, no, 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 no. I've got a better one. I'm just going to turn around and say, oh, mate, I used to wear them all the time. Then I got empathetic on my face and I was chest and <laughs> face. I stop. I'm amazed that the restaurant that wanted worst. you. The oh, restaurant wanted I, the band to be masked up. Is that right? No, when we, we don't arrive. Because right. obviously they don't know who we are. And we have to go, hey, we're the band playing tonight. But my mate was like, I'm the band playing tonight. And I was like, hey, mate, yeah, we're the band playing tonight. I'm exempt. I'm really sorry. Right. And that did, just as soon as I said it politely, they were doing mellow. So we were in and out loading the gear. No one said no, nothing. A few funny looks from ninjas, as I call them. Yeah. Well, you know. And that was your first was, gig for how long, Alan? You, how long? Like a, yeah, let me think. We're in June now, so it must be 12, 13 months. 12, 14 months. 12 maybe. or 13 months. Were you nervous? A little bit, but it ended up being a bit like um, a Pedro so at the beginning, to be honest with you, Richie. The guy who owned the place, he was like, oh, oh boys, I'm quite sorry, because we're like on a top floor. I don't, I don't, you know, yeah, no, Maranto's on Lark Lane. Really nice. Kind of, I think it's Mexican Spanish kind of place. Really nice place. People, you know, restaurants, tea bar. You're just breaking up a little bit now. It happened sometimes with Skype. You're just breaking up a little bit. Um, you want There was something you wanted to say, um, so go ahead and say it now, Alan, before, because uh, it is breaking up a bit there. Go ahead. No. It was amazing to do a gig, and it was nice to do a gig again, but it's it's not the same. It should be pe people are still a bit nervous, and, and I'm looking at people going, just take the fucking mask off. Yeah, you know, it's just I, I don't the one thing which I don't, and I'm going to get off because I've got loads of callers. Is why is it, and especially for people who've only just found you, ask yourselves this question and ask this. I ask this question to people I work with, people I meet. Why is it these pe people in our countries, whether you live here in the UK, whether you're over in the United States, wherever you are, we all know politicians are liars. We know they are. So why on earth do you think any of them right now are telling us the truth about anything? And I can't think of one politician, by the way, who's, dropped, who's brown bread, yeah, yeah. dead. Because I think there would be if this disease was so, you know, the black death. But it's not, is it? That's a very good point. That's all I want to say. That's a really good point, Alan. Thanks, mate. It, it, we, we got the, the last bit of that loud and clear. Thank God for that. It broke up a little bit. Look, we'll get you back on again. Um, Alan in Liverpool there. Alan is a mate of the programmes. He tweets all the time. And I supported the programme since day one. Um, lovely, lovely bloke. First gig for 13 months on Friday. And felt that people were a little bit reticent, a little bit reluctant, you know, to, to take the masks off to enjoy themselves. Have you been out and about yourself? Get in touch. Skype chat with Richie. 0161818-2018. Right. Um, we're back to the telephone line. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Turn, turn me down in the background, my friend. I can hear myself there. We'll get we'll get myself turned down there in the background. Is that better? Ah, uh, that's great, Nick. Nick, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you, Steve. And thank you for everything you're doing as well. Not I'm at all, not at all. Hey, listen, we've got to stop doing that. I don't do anything. I just sit here and chat. Thanks, Nick. Right. Um, you're welcome, mate. Where are you calling from and, and, and why did you ring up? I'm calling from Herefordshire. And I called because uh, I challenged the lawfulness of the COVID legislation. And I'd like to give a very simple argument as to why it's unlawful in that uh, I guess everybody knows there's been no significant increase in death rates anywhere in the world 
And in fact, the countries which didn't have a lockdown had less death rates than they normally did. On that basis, there's no justification for the, for the lockdown. And if I was to... Say, Andy, can, I, can I just jump in? Can I just jump in? Is I'm trusting you now because, look, while I read a lot of things and, and read a lot of newspapers and I look at a lot of government websites, I obviously don't see everything. Is that a stone-cold fact that mortality around the world hasn't increased in the 15, 16 months of this time, that it's at average levels. Is that right? I've got a statistic. I'll just dig it up. Hold on, two seconds. Oh, take your time, mate. This is good. Nick is in Herefordshire. He's been looking into the lawfulness of the COVID restrictions and he reckons that they couldn't be lawful because they're unnecessary because people haven't been dying in any greater numbers during the last year and a bit than they did previously. So, uh, not doubting you, my friend, but I've got to ask you. It's, it's the, it's the um, United Nations Population Department. I can't find the link right now. I've got it somewhere. Um, I believe you. Yeah. Listen, I believe you. If you're on Twitter, by the way, or Facebook or something, uh, throw out a link and I'll, 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 I'll retweet it or send it to me on Skype or something. So, here's the I'll, question now. Here's the question, right? Because I believe yeah. you. What chance in hell do you have, Nick? And I say this now as, as a mate of... Getting anywhere in a court of law in this day and age? That's the question. No chance at all. Yeah. No chance at all. Which is why I'm not going through the court of law. It's why I'm talking to you now on this programme because we need to get the police and the armed forces to realise there's no justification for the legislation. It's, un- it's unreasonable, disproportionate, and therefore unlawful. Yeah. And I can prove to you in five minutes, less than five minutes, that anything that's unreasonable and disproportionate is unlawful. No doubt it's unlawful. Take the, take, take the Criminal Damage Act, Section 1. If you damage or destroy another person's property without a lawful excuse, you commit a crime of criminal damage. So what is a lawful excuse to damage or destroy another person's property? The example I always use, if a house is on fire and you kick the door down to get someone out, that's a lawful act. It's illegal to kick someone's door down, but it's lawful to do it in that circumstance. And that is quite simply the difference between legal and lawful. If there happened to be a bulldozer parked outside the door, outside the house, and it was on fire, and the same person is inside and he's rescuing, and the bulldozer outside and the key's in it, and I knew how to drive a bulldozer, I jumped in the bulldozer, and I started knocking the house down in my efforts to rescue the person from inside. I'd probably kill them in the process. So that would be excessive use of force. It would be unreasonable, disproportionate and unlawful. So in the context of the uh, COVID, if what I said is true, and I, to the absolute best of my knowledge, it is true, that there's no... Well, the, the, the increase in death rates as a percentage of the population is 0.13% of the population in 2020 versus 20, 2021. No, 2020 versus 2019. It's 0.13%. So that is it's an increase then? 13, it's an increase, but it's 13 in 10,000. Right. It's not a significant increase. No. And, right. and do I understand right? It might have been an increase of 13 in 1,000 from 2020 to 2019. But do I understand that when you go back further... No, it's 30, when you go, 13 in 10,000. Excuse me, even worse, 13 in 10,000. But, but I've also read, Nick, that if you go back five years to 2016 or 2017, that um, death rates were greater then than they are now. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's roughly of the order of 1% of the population dies every year. That's going back to 20, or 19, you know, going back 10 years, 15 years. So if I'm Matt Hancock, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm Matt Hancock, right, and I'm, yeah. I, and I'm on the radio with you, uh, and I'll say, right, Nick, you sound like a lovely bloke. The reason that the death rate didn't increase significantly is because of the measures we took to prevent that happening. What would you say to that? 
I'd say to that that the, the countries where there was no lockdown had less death rates than the countries with the lockdown. Sweden is one of those for sure, isn't it? Sweden, uh, Korea, Florida, North Dakota. Yeah, yeah, etc. Um, and so you'd, no like, you'd, you'd like you'd like men and women in uniform to take this on board and to refuse to enforce it. That's effectively what you'd like to see happen. I'd like to see them arrest Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson and that Chris Whitty and that bloke who started the initial... Me and you which, both. Which was a, right? Me and, and that's you their both. duty. I just want to prove to you, beyond shadow of doubt, for, every, for all your listeners, that the legislation is unlawful. I heard um, a very simple argument. Using a very simple argument. May I do that first? Yes, do Nick, please. I am mindful of the calls that I have backing up, but go ahead. I'm going to be very quick. It's very simple. In the context of the COVID, the allegory of the house on fire, right? The COVID legislation is the bulldozer. The house is our Bill of Rights and Constitution, which is the right to free speech, the right to assemble, the right to travel, the right to work, the right to have your own business, etc., etc. That's the house. The fire inside the house is the COVID itself, the virus, except there's no fire in the house. All that's happened is the fuse has gone in the electric kettle. Right. Now, if I'm in my house and I put my electric kettle on to pour a cup of tea and the fuse goes and I call the fire brigade and the fire brigade turn up with their bells ringing and, and the blue lights flashing and everything. Hello, hello, sir. What's the problem? Oh, help, help, rescue me. Who's gone on my electric kettle? They take me wearing a straitjacket. If they release me, and I did it again the next day, they take me wearing handcuffs. Yeah. If they release me, and I did it again the next day for a year to the whole world. What kind of trouble am I in? You're in serious trouble. Well, yeah. that is the kind of trouble that the police and the armed forces ought to be dealing with, with the, with the, with the big farmer and the governments of the world and all the other people responsible for this mess, in my humble opinion. I'm sorry to get angry about it, but I am angry. Well, you're entitled to be angry. What is it, before we do, before we move on, um, Nick, what has it meant for you? It might sound like a silly question, but what has it meant for you? How has how it impacted on you? Has it impacted on you financially? Has it impacted on your work, on your family? How has it been for you? It hasn't impacted me. On, in, I live in a van in a field, right? So and I, I'm on uh, a benefit called Enterprise Allowance where I'm running, starting to run a business to teach common law, believe right. it or not. And then this came along. So I've had, the only impact it's had on me is I've devoted my entire time and my energy into trying to get this message out about the lawfulness or otherwise of the Coronavirus Act. Because if we don't stop it before this, before this vaccine passport comes in, we are under total control. You it's said you're, You said you're trying to educate people. Is there a website you want to give a plug to, Nick, or someplace online where people can read about it? Yeah, reclaimthelaw.org. Reclaimthelaw.org. Reclaim org, all one word. Happy to give a plug to uh, that. Put a link to it on Twitter. It's banned on Facebook, by the way. You won't get it on Facebook. You won't be able to share on Facebook. It's banned. It's banned on Facebook. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm not on Facebook myself anymore, but while I'm still on Twitter, I'll give it another plug. Reclaimthelaw.org. Look, I'm glad you were honest about going to, to court. I, I've, I take a few slaps, a few licks. I don't mind it because I've got thick skin because I don't get carried away with lawsuits by people like Reiner, Reiner Fuelmich and people like that. I'm not in any way trying to cast aspersions on his character, but they, no. they're, they're not going to just say, oh, fair enough, Reiner. Yeah, the PCR test is junk science. Well done. We'll just unlock everything and we'll go back to normal. It just doesn't work like that. And I think people need to realise that. There's one more thing I want to say. Go ahead, mate. Go ahead. And then I'll move I on. would like to now make, take this opportunity to report the offence of subverting the Constitution and the Bill of Rights unlawfully 
to the British government, to the entire police force of this country. I'm reporting this offence to the police force of this country on record right now. My name is Nicholas John Clare, born 4th of August 1959 in Totnes in Devon. They know where I am. I'm reporting the offence. If the, if the offence is not, if the arrests are not made, this is a very, very serious offence. Yeah. If arrests are not made, we'll be making citizens arrests. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. Have you, I've never asked an activist like you this question before, I should have asked it. Have you in the past picked up the phone and contacted a police station and spoke to somebody there and made those allegations? And when you did, what was the answer? And I'm not trying in any way now to, I'm not trying to take the mickey out of you because I agree with you. What you've said is true. It's 100% true. You know, these are crimes. And you're entitled as, you know, as a British citizen, you're entitled to pick the phone up and say, listen, I believe a crime is being committed. What do they say? What's the reaction when, when you phone them up? Do you get an incident number? Do you get a reporting number? Do they, they even listen? How does it work? Well, it's very hard to get an, a crime report number. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, especially yeah. for something like this. Uh, so it doesn't work. So then, you, then what you do is you report the officer for failing to report the crime, which is a serious offence under the police conduct codes, and they, they won't investigate it. So then you report the police force to the neighbouring police force, Right, and what the idea, Albert Burgess is a lovely man, ex-special ex police constable. His video is called A Case for Treason. A lot of people knock him down because they say that treason and sedition, which are the main two offences he alleges, have been wiped off the statute books. It still doesn't mean to say you can't be treasonous or seditious. Yeah. The words haven't gone. Those actions are treasonous and seditious. Right, Whether or not there's now this, this criminal government has... Uh, taking them off the statute books is, is irrelevant to my mind. But the, the fact that the injury is being done, it's being done without lawful excuse. The only lawful, there's only two lawful excuses to cause injury to another person. One is to use reasonable force in self-defence. The other one is to use reasonable force to prevent a crime. Prevent a crime, yeah. If yeah, anyone can yeah. tell me a different lawful excuse to cause an injury, look at the injury government's caused by this legislation without a lawful excuse because there's no threat. It's immeasurable. It's immeasurable, I think. It, I don't it, think we have any idea of how much damage has been done. I want to give a plug again, reclaimthelaw.org. Nick, I'll move on, but I'm glad you got through, mate. And I really, you, I, I mean the best of luck to you going Thank forward, you. mate. Thanks for that. That was uh, Nick, lovely a gentleman in Herefordshire. It's obviously bright. Reclaimthelaw.org is uh, his website. Check him out there. He says he's living in a van in a field. And he, did he say he got some special um, provision from the local authority to go and to teach common law. I find that kind of fascinating, to be honest. Interesting stuff. Uh, you are with the Richie Allen Radio Show, by the way. It is Monday's programme, the 14th of June, 2021. Uh, Sally is trying to get through. Sally, I'll get you in a minute. I'll get you in a minute. But I'm back to the mobiles, I think, with uh, my next caller. Caller, you're very welcome. Who am I speaking with? Hi, my name's... Ah, you just dropped out just briefly. I missed your name there. Who am I speaking with? My name's Eileen. Eileen. Yes. You're very welcome, Eileen. How are you? Where are you calling from? She just dropped out. Bloody mobile. She dropped out there. Okay. Uh, I think we might have Sally on. We'll try and get Eileen back. Is it Sally? This is Sally Ritchie. How are you doing, Sally? Where are you calling from? Well, I'm calling from Devon and Cornwall. Ah, nice part of the world. You've got some um, dodgy characters down there this time of year. Well, I've been watching the news. What's been going on? It's been a little sad, hasn't it, to see them strutting their paces on the beach. But, well, the um, cheek of them, Sally, on the one hand, to be asking people to stay away from one another. 
and you've got them arms draped around one another having drinks and barbecues and stuff like that. You know, it's a, it's a little bit, you know, do what I say, not what I do. Yes, total hypocrisy, really. Um, and to be ignored because it's not real. It's just a show. And um, if we buy into it, we are part of the show. So we have to put ourselves apart from it. And why I'm calling you, Richie, is, you know, it started for me about three years ago when I read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And I realized that um, the nature of our reality is not what we're told it is. And um, it's something quite different. And in order to understand really what's going on now, we need to understand ourselves much more. Um, and this is going to sound, <laughs> I'm not a religious person. Um, I'm an educated person. I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And three years ago, I would not have called you and I would not have, say, have said what I'm going to say now. You're in the right the place, Ali. You're in the right place. You have no fear here. I think I, 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 think I know where you afraid. might be going. Yeah. I'm, I'm a professional person. Actually, I'm a veterinarian. I'll come, you know, I'll come clean. I'm a veterinarian. And um, I am a, almost um, alone in, in my anti-vaccination stance amongst my colleagues. I have to tell you, I'm, I've, I'm zipped my mouth and I'm... I'm keeping a low profile on the whole thing. But basically, why do they want to put the vaccination? No, it's not a vaccination. It, why do they want to put this into every soul, every human being on the planet? And it's to do with our souls. Firmly, I believe it's to stop us evolving. Now, I know you're not you don't believe in God and you're not a spiritual person and honestly I wasn't either Yeah. but I've changed my position and, and some of this comes to what David Icke says but it is actually we need to recognise who we are as individuals and we need to recognise the power of love and once we realise and recognise the power of love we are free from everything and the purpose of the vaccine is to stop us doing that. I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you remember this, but um, a good friend, well, he's more than a good friend. He's a great friend. He's a gentleman. Mark Boyarski was on with me some time ago. And I, I, yeah. know, I know Mark as a very modest uh, guy and very careful about making claims about anything. Very careful. And he said, Richie, I have, I have, I've been hearing from energy healers and spiritual healers that they're finding it hard to work with people who might have had one of these jabs that mm -hmm. they can't reach them on 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 the level that because I don't know very much about healing apart from talking to Mark and to Peter Rebden and others and, and that speaks to what you're telling me Sally. Well Richie I wouldn't have believed anything about myself until I, I subscribed to this channel called anyway they were having a live demonstration on psychokinesis. So I thought, well, I'll join in on this, right? This, you know, this is something. So I got a fork and I joined in in real time on how to psychokinetically bend a fork and blow me down and bugger me. I can fucking do it. No way. 
Oh, yes. Yuri and Geller I, over here. We got Yuri Geller on the line pretending absolutely. to be Sally. And, and what am I? I'm this, you know, Bachelor of Science and God yeah. knows what. Just for this sort of thing, it's it's not true, is it? But I can demonstrate it to you any time. Yeah. And how do you do it? You do it by putting love. It, and it's a, it's, it's a feeling, if you like, or it's, it's a, they, it's a frequency. But you, you intensify it inside yourself, and you put it into the fork or the spoon, and you, and you demand that it bends for you, and it bends for you. So, and I, and I can demonstrate it to anyone at any time. I demonstrate. I don't it doubt you. I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask. So you've obviously, yeah. you've obviously shown this to people. What, what, what has yeah. been their reaction? Well, they're amazed. They don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. But you can't not believe it because it happens. So I, I demonstrate it to people when I'm trying to tell them about the position that we're in, if you like, in the sense we're in this moral or es- esoteric type of position where our powers are really important. And everyone has these powers. And what they're trying to do with the vaccine and with the fear porn is shut us all down. Disconnect us from what we really are. Disconnect, yeah. which is Christ consciousness. Now, you take the, um, the Christ out of that if you want, but it's just a way of describing our collective consciousness. And if you like, you know, we are the second coming. You are part of it. I'm part of it because we are awake to it and it doesn't take or it won't take too many of us to actually overturn this because it's a mental thing but anyway the other thing i want to say and no one really is acknowledging this very much but you can find plenty of evidence for it we are in very turbulent times there's there's a 12 thousand year cycle that the earth goes through and there's plenty of scientific evidence that that goes towards showing it that we're in a a cycle of um destruction and you know if you, you can talk about it in biblical terms or whatever but basically the north and south magnetic poles are migrating and the magnetic field of the earth is diminishing and what happens at a certain point is our sun novas and it sends us into the into an ice age this happened 12 and a half thousand years ago and it happens every 12 and a half or so thousand years it's a cyclical thing and this is at the background of all of this and i feel that this is part of the depopulation agenda that they want less people on the earth because the shit's going to hit the fan later on this century. So all the climate change stuff, everything, it's just a smokescreen for what's really going to be happening. I'm fascinated by by this, that that three years ago you were working as a vet presumably in Devon Cornwall. I'm still working as a vet. You're still working as a vet, yeah. No, no, I, 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 I did get that. But that, yeah. that none of this was on your radar back then, none of it. Absolutely not. So what I'm trying to say is that I'm not a stupid person and I've got a Bachelor of Science degree and I've got a Master of um, 
um, what did I do? An MBA. And I've got, you know, various other things, teaching certificates. So I'm, you know, I'm not in la-la land or, you know, or insane or crazy. I'm, you know, a scientist and I've, and I've read widely and I've looked at so many different things and all the evidence is there, but it's just being hidden from us. I, I'm, I'm glad you got through, do you know that? I mean, that's blown me away now. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to talk. To, no, no, it has. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. Um, if I can grab your Skype address later on, and I'd like to get in touch with you and arrange for you to come back on the regular show and have a chat with me, if you were up for that, that'd be great. Well, you know, I, I will. I'm happy to. I'm happy to. That'd be brilliant. Um, yeah, it, it would, Sally. And you're still in in practice there. I, I I obviously noted when you said that you're being careful about the things you're saying around vaccination and stuff like that. Would that be because you've got a career to preserve? Might it be, might it be dangerous for you to be talking about these things? Well, no, Richie, I'm, at, I'm honestly at the end of my career. I'm trying to move to France and have been... Uh, anyway, that's another story. Yeah. You're, you're from I'm, New Zealand originally, Sally, are you? Yeah, yes, you've guessed it, haven't you? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's probably given myself away to lots of people that probably don't listen to your show anyway. Um, but yes, I'm at the end of my career. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm 64 and um, I want to retire to France. My partner's in France. I've not seen him since November 2019. It's, it's all been awful. How have you and managed? I'm, how have you coped with that? Not seeing him in so long. <laughs> you know, on the one hand, you know. You know, conflict is isn't as much isn't as much as it was. I miss him terribly, and he hasn't coped. I don't think as well as I have with the whole yeah. thing. It's because we've got a business in France which is a food business, and it's been shut down. So there's and, a lot uh, of pressure on him. Then he's under a lot of pressure yes. there. Yeah, he's and... under a lot of pressure, and uh, and he didn't foresee this. He's a a, a strategy person and looks at everything and he and he didn't foresee this and for him that was a failure so he took it very very hard that he that he hadn't calculated this type of thing into his thinking so but I guess that you know that French don't like to make mistakes and um I know a little bit about that yeah just a yes. little bit. Yeah. yeah. I've had my yeah. I've had my experiences with the French. Yes. I'm, I'm in the middle yes. of I'm in the middle <laughs> yes. of one. I'll tell you what, Sally, I'll um, I'll be in touch with you. I, I hope it works out for, for you and your partner. I, I really do. Yes, okay. I don't want to upset people about the disaster cycle. So I'm sorry for people that might hear what I'm saying about this and be upset by it. But the thing is that we all need to know the truth. We'll get into and that. It, Listen, park that there and I'll get in touch yeah. with you and we'll have a chat about it because I'm fascinated okay. by it. Sally, right. lovely to meet you. Thanks for getting okay, through. Thank you, Richie. I'm a financial supporter of you and I absolutely believe in what you do. Well, thanks a million for that. It's greatly okay. appreciated, Sally. Thank you. That was Sally there. Sally's a vet and she's in a Devon, Cornwall area, which has been pretty busy, hasn't it, in the, in the last few days. Now, we've got um, Elizabeth in Madrid um, who was on with me two or three phone-ins ago. We'll get her on in a minute. But um, I, I, I'm going to try and get Eileen on. I might not get Eileen on now. I tried to mark the call. You see, so many calls are coming in. It's 20 past six. You're with the Richie Allen Radio Show, which is live on my website, richieallen.co.uk. It's also on the TuneIn app, 
which most people have on their phones. It's on the TuneIn app. It's where most people listen, in fact. Would you believe that? Most people come through on the TuneIn app. We're on TriggerWarning.tv and, of course, the show goes out on Fab 2, Fab Radio 2 in Manchester. Caller, you're patiently standing by there. Who am I speaking with? It's me again. Oh, thank God, Eileen. Thank <laughs> God for that. I say that because it's difficult for me. The way the system works on the screen, all the numbers all come flying up at the same time. And when you dropped out, I tried to memorise the last five digits of your of your number. And then it just disappeared on me. Because I would have given you a call back, you see. Hey, listen, oh, I'm, you're, you're with Kid Richie. I do my best. I do my best. You know, I've got a studio full of... Te- I, don't, I don't have anybody here. It's just me. Um, th- thankfully, you got back on. Eileen. Where are you calling from? And what would you like to say? Um, well, I'm calling from Nesborough, North Yorkshire, um, and I just wanted to say hi to you. Uh, we've never spoken before, but I, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an admirer of yours, and I hope you and Caroline and the Hounds are doing well. We're doing well, as well as can be expected, Eileen. This is the thing in these terrible times. We're hanging Good. in there. How are you get coping with it all? Um, yeah, I'm, you know, you know on, on par, I have to say, you know, yeah, I'm doing fine. Um, it's it's really been very bothersome for me what's ha- been happening in this country over the last year and a half. Um, because I work in a busy office in Leeds. Uh, I miss my mates terribly. We used to have such a laugh. Um, and I'm, I'm very, I'm a very social person. So I really miss going out with my, my friends and I, you know, I do a lot of community work and this, that, and the other thing. Um, but, um, and, and you know what, Richie, you know, if I were to be fair in saying it, I would say that I would I would probably have maybe two or three underlying conditions in general, and I have not been ill for like the past three years. Um, and I have you know I've been socializing. I've been I haven't been um, wearing. I've never worn a mask. Um, I haven't been following the guidelines. I I hug my friends when I see them, even though they're horrified when I go. You know, are they them. horrified? Do do they recoil when you throw your arms yes. around them? Do they? Oh my God! They isn't do. that terrible? Isn't it? It really is. Um, except last week, I ran into my friend Sarah and her daughter Jess. Um, Sarah didn't give me a hug because she was streaming with cold, um, but Jess flew into my arms, you know, and I was so delighted. It was lovely, and it was in the bu- in the middle of a busy market too, so that was great. Um, <laughs> I loved it. Fantastic. Uh, but anyway, I think the thing that really that's really bothering me now is the fact that I didn't know anybody that was ill you know, initially, until they started rolling out with the vax uh, or the injection, say. Um, And now, okay, this guy that I work with in Leeds has been off work for two weeks after having his first vax. Um, This other girl that I work with has been on long-term sick since her first injection. Now, I don't know which ones they've had. Um, I think it's the AstraZeneca that has more of the um, adverse reactions than the Pfizer. But does that really even matter? I think they all have adverse reactions. Um, so I'm seeing more ill people now um, than I have before they started rolling it out. Um, and I've also lost a couple of friends whose um, elderly relatives have passed away um, uh, with COVID on their death certificates uh, with a variety of underlying conditions. But I don't, you know, you know, I mean, I don't come out and say, oh, I'm, I haven't approached it like that with my, with my friends. I just say, I'm very, very sorry for your loss. Um, uh, and you know, you know, and they say, well, yeah, he died of COVID, and and then and that and that was it. And I said, well, didn't wasn't your father found in, in you know in the bathtub uh, with a stroke, which which was how it was presented to me. Yeah. Um, 
and my friend said, no, he died of, of COVID. Um, but he, he had had a couple of strokes early on in the year. Um, he had heart issues. Um, and uh, his death certificate said, of, or his cause of death was COVID. Um, but, but I never stressed that, well, you know. I would, you, know. you find but yourself, Eileen, you find yourself moderating your language and tiptoeing around people too, right? Well, uh, you know, I have to because there's a sensitivity yeah. factor there as well. And, and um, my friend's dad, I was very close to them. We used to be on a quiz team together and most of the time we used to win. So, and that's over the past 15 years. You know, lovely gent, and I miss him. And we're having a, um, a a celebration of his life in September, so I'm looking forward to that. What was his name? Really what was his name? Lovely. I mean, Pardon? What What was his name? Tony. 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 Wow. Yeah. And you love you love being out and about with people. You love going into the office. So this is basically crippling you um, in terms of I, I won't say crippling you emotionally, but in terms of you. Your, 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 the, the social nature of who you are. This is a terrible time for you having to live like this. Well, to tell you the truth, I think the worst aspect of all of this is emotional because I love people, you know, and I've yeah. got a lot of friends that come from a huge family. Um, I miss everybody terribly. Uh, I've got a, I've got a, a meetup with my friends in July. On the, is it the 11th or the 17th? Um, the people, these people I used to work with months ago, but we all keep in touch. Um, and one of them does work for the NHS, um, and she's very by the book, if you see what I mean. Um, but we're still getting together because, you know, we, you know, we just have a legacy, and I can't wait to see them. Um, where are you from originally, Eileen? Where, 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 where did you hail from? Where did you come from? I come from Long Branch, New Jersey. New Jersey. You're, you're, you're a New Jersey girl. So... Because I'm thinking, cause I, I knew I, I knew you were from the US, yeah. Because I don't know about New Jersey, but a lot of Southern governors, particularly yeah. conservative yeah. Southern governors, they yeah, seem the red, the red states. They seem to have had enough of this, don't they? They're saying oh. stop the masks, stop the distancing, and one of them has even said that it's going to be illegal to use vaccine passports. I can't remember which one it is. It oh, might be Rick Watsy's face in Florida, maybe. DeSantis, yeah. Sa- DeSantis, that's the guy, yeah. I mean, that's positive, I've right? I've got relatives in both Texas and Florida, and they're living the high life right now. Although it's just, you know, it's, it's very hot down there. Um, but they're out and about, you know. They're at the beach. They're, you know, my, my cousin Kevin's, like, living the high life at the pubs and bars and blah, 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 Brilliant. you know. You know, not, not a mask in sight, no, you know, case increases or any of that nonsense. Yeah. But they're living that life. Now, my family in New Jersey, because that's a very, very liberal state. That's uh, I forgot the guy's name, but he's a monster. Um, you know, they can't even tiptoe outside their houses without getting assaulted by mask idiots and whatever, COVID idiots. Uh, my sister Betsy, she's in dip because she's another one. She's, she's worse than me in terms of the social stuff. So, um it's you Phil know. Murphy. He's a Democrat. Phil Murphy. I just looked uh, it up. I'd like to pretend I had a big brain and I knew who it was. I didn't know who it was. Uh, Phil Murphy. He's the New Jersey governor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Democrat. And they're just living in hell. The, the blue states are more hellish than the red states, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And it just doesn't make any sense. It's a completely insane. Um, so life in that, Leeds then, because I'm getting a lot of calls, so I am going to move on, but I'm fascinated. New Jersey girl comes to Leeds. Did you follow a man? Did you follow? Did you follow a woman? Did you follow a job? How did it end up? How did you end up in Leeds? 
I think you have a sixth sense there, Richie. Uh, yeah, I, I married a Yorkshireman. But a Yorkshireman! Be- I say what I like and I like what I bloody well say. <laughs> is he one of them, is he? Is he one of them? <laughs> Fantastic. And um, we have a daughter. She's uh, she's going to school in Edinburgh. So uh, I've stuck around. So you stuck around for the daughter? I stuck around because I love it here. You love it here. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I do. It's a great. Uh, well, Yorkshire is a great place to. Uh, it is lovely. It's beautiful. I, I, so you're still with your husband, and you're still happily married. No, no, no. He passed away ten years ago. Oh, he passed away. Did he? Ah, oh, right. Ten years ago. How how do you think he would have a Yorkshire man? Now I'm thinking of Yorkshire men. I've known quite a few Yorkshire men. How would he have dealt with this? Would he have seen through it? Do you think? He would have said it was a bunch of bollocks. Would he? Good man. Absolutely. Because um, he was a fiery, fiery personality himself, and yeah. um, quite a, a man of his time. If you, I won't get into detail, but he was a good egg and uh, a, a sad loss to, the, to, to, to humanity, if you ask me. Um, yeah, yeah. He had his quirks, don't get me wrong, and boy, did we go at it at times. But he was a lovely gent, and um, I miss him terribly. You and still, I wish you, you were still here. miss him. You'll always miss him, of course. Even ten years, of course, you'll always miss him. And has there never been? Anybody else at all? Did you not? Has, has anybody else come along that you thought maybe he's all right? I might, you know, has that happened? Tell me to mind my own business now. I'm just fascinated, um, Eileen. <laughs> I'd love tell to me. tell you, but Jeff, there's someone very special in the northeast of Scotland, and um, he's probably listening right now and turning red. But he's lovely, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I've just come down to sort some matters out, and uh, it's beautiful up there on the Moray, Moray Firth. Never been there, but uh, I imagine it is beautiful, yeah. I can imagine. But uh, I just, you know, I mean, from day one, I always thought it was just questionable what's been going on. And um, uh, from this day forward, or from a a long time ago, actually, I'll never trust the government ever again. I really don't believe they're representative of the people. Um, I I believe that, uh, that, you know, the people don't have a voice. I don't think we've ever had a voice. I mean, my local counselor, he's he's just worthless. and, you know, like I've gone through town today um, and the signs are everywhere, you know, stay apart, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, this is never going to end. No. Why would they put so much effort into this? And, and as we're you know, speaking, or it might have ended now, but as we have been speaking, I know Johnson and Whitty and Valance have been in Downing Street and they've confirmed that there won't be any Freedom Day next Monday. Eileen, I've really loved chatting with you. I'm not giving you the brush off, but a lot of calls are trying to get through. No, I love- so, and, and let me just tell you, um, some of the callers tonight, I've, I've written, jot, jotted down some notes, and I thought they were absolutely brilliant. And I will be visiting the various websites that they've mentioned. Um, so thank you for that, and thank you to the callers, because I think they add something special to your show as well. Yeah, I love the phone-ins. I learn a lot during the phone-ins, because my listeners are better researchers than me, I find out when I open the line. So, and I, and I don't say that glibly. Listen, I've loved chatting with you, Eileen. I really have. G- good luck to you. Good luck to your special fella in the northeast of Scotland. And good luck to your daughter at Edinburgh University as well. And stay in touch. Drop me an email from time to time. I will. Um, I do follow you on Twitter. I ha- you have followed me on my past three Twitter accounts that were newt. So I'll drop you a note. Do, so I'll know it's you and I'll follow you back. Thanks, Eileen. Okay. Lovely to chat with you. No, it's been a pleasure. Eileen there from New Jersey, who ended up with uh, a gentleman from Leeds, who's sadly not with with Eileen anymore. God love him. And, uh, yeah, she sees through it. I hear a lot of this lately. I hear a lot of it, you know, people saying that, uh, you know, I'm I'm minding me P's and Q's, Richie. I'm uh, 
you know, I'm being a bit careful there in terms of how I'm speaking to uh, yeah, people and I'm, uh, you know, I'm having, why is it that we have to be? We're the ones walking on eggshells. It's us that's doing it. You know what I mean? Those of us that are sceptical about the injection, those of us who believe that the measures are arbitrary nonsense, we're the ones who have to walk on eggshells around people so as not to offend them. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Right, I've got Elizabeth now. I, I, I think you're in Madrid, right? Yes, I am. Get I'm in still there. in Madrid. Welcome Madrid. back. Now, uh, thank you. Do, I didn't think you'd take my car. No, no, no. But I didn't. It yeah, it's been only two months. It's, it's only know? been a couple of months. But what, what I am going to do now between now and seven is I'm going to move it along reasonably quickly. But I, I'm glad that you, uh, that you got through again, uh, Elizabeth. So uh, what did you want to say anyway? Welcome back. Thank you very much. Uh, well, I want, just want to say we are still fully masked up outdoors. It's about 35 degrees out. Um, the supposed Vox party, which is supposed to be, you know, the opposition, isn't really taking any stance on it. I think they abstained in the last vote about it to dismantle it, at least outdoors. Wow. So that's still going on. Madness. Um, and for, on my part, I've just been struggling a lot with my daughter who is ready for university and is prepared for an education that she can either follow in Germany or possibly in Spain in an international school. But I just uh, saw in Germany, they have changed the law that before it was total bodily integrity, which gave me some comfort because usually their laws are pretty strong, but they've just passed a new amendment basically saying that they will restrict that law to include the ability of being able to inject foreign particles into your body. And I can pass you a link to that if you need that. Say that in English so now, now. Say that in English for those of us who are at the end of a long, hot, sweaty, greasy day. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> uh, well, basically, bodily integrity law was very was set in the Grundgesetz, which is the basic common law. So you cannot you cannot change that. Yeah, it's common ground law, and you cannot change that. But they've recently passed a new law that will supersede this particular part of their let's say, constitution, and it allows you to inject particles or perform some sort of a administration of any drug that may alter your body. And this also includes a statement saying this means that the Grundgesetz, the basic law, has been restricted or taken, you know, dismantled yeah. a bit or eingeschränkt basically means shrinking. It shrinks the, the ability of this law. So I'm very concerned now about my daughter being able to go to Germany and study there, which is what she fervently wants. And I want to give a shout out to that lovely teacher that you had on a while back, who actually gave me a personal invite to talk to her about what to do with my daughter. But I've just personally been so depressed about the whole situation that well, your I may daughter, have to let my daughter go. And Yeah, I was just going to ask you, know, you will, will, um, will your daughter be required to show proof of vaccination or something like that. Is well, that how it's it, going? I think that's the direction it's going, absolutely. Yeah. And and the way people feel about it, I was at my in-laws in Spain for the first time after a year. We were sitting outdoors. It was a birthday celebration where I would have spoken back more. But when they asked me if I had been injected, I said, no, and I'm not planning on it. They just jumped down my throat. Yeah. And, you know, I, I barely spoke the rest of the time that I was there because I didn't want to ruin the birthday celebration for the person. So, you know, I, I just feel like everybody is going for it. All my friends have pretty much been injected or are having plans to be injected. My, um, my, my other half won't mind me saying this. She's used to me broadcasting our lives on 
this bloody show anyway. But her, her mum, who's a great lady, very intelligent lady, and uh, and a lovely woman, is hook, line, and sinker. You know, she 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 has bought yeah. the whole. She's bought the farm, as it were, and they, they don't argue. They don't they don't have heated arguments. But her mum, I think, was pretty upset in a recent phone call because she said, "Oh, Karen, we might never see each other again." She got really upset yeah. by that. And I want those people, especially intelligent people like um, like her mum, Monique, to think even deeper, to step outside of your own ego for a minute and to think about that, that that's tyrannical. If you have the vaccine, Monique, which she has had, she's probably had the two jabs, um, why, why do you think it's okay for the state or anybody else to pressure somebody else to have it? If you've had it, surely it's okay then. They well, should that's... be asking these questions, you know? Well, that's what I tried to ask yeah. his parent, uh, the parents of my husband. And they basically said, well, you have no right to decide. You have to do it. You won't be able to go anywhere. And it, it's correct that you shouldn't be able to go anywhere. And, you know, they don't take into account, you know, all my family lives in other countries. Uh, all my friends mostly live in other countries. So I'm resigned to the fact that now I may also lose my daughter. And I just want to give an apology to that teacher who reached out that I haven't reached back because I've just been in such a negative Zone, yeah, you're and talking I'm very about... conscious of passing that on to someone else. So that's why I haven't reached out to you her. Won't so pass if it. she's listening, you're not going to pass on any negativity. Look, it's it's perfectly reasonable and natural to be upset and and worried about a concern. You're mentioning mentioning Sarah Plumley. Sarah was on with me Thursday. Yes, I, I didn't want to say her name in case. Oh no, Sarah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean she was on. Sarah was on the program. She was outstanding. She was wonderful. She was outstanding. She was wonderful. It's an outstanding program. Yeah. And I'm very grateful that she reached out to me. And I will reach back when I'm in a bit of a better positive mood that I think it's correct to reach out to someone. I didn't ask you, Elizabeth. So what what does your daughter think then? What does she think? Well, she just wants to live her life. And of course, you know, she's full of ideals and she wants to go for it. And I'm just afraid she'll just go and think, well, you know, at that age, you think you're invincible. And, you know, I try to tell her, you know, look at what's happening in the world. You know, I'm, I'm being more open than I've ever been. I don't want to scare her to death of, you know, ruining her life in that way. Yeah. But at the same time, be very conscious of what you're doing. You know, maybe think about an international study in Spain instead. It might cost us a fortune and put our own future, my husband and I's plans on hold for the foreseeable future because we won't be able to leave Madrid, which was our plan this summer, leave Madrid and go live in the country somewhere. Um, and get away from the city because the city just is, is horrific. I, I can barely stand going outdoors with all the masks in this heat. And to, just to watch the, the, the faces, I mean, you don't see their faces. And I don't understand why they can stand it. I'm the only one with it hanging off my arm like a bracelet. Yeah. In case the police stop me, I'll just say, ah, I needed to take a quick breath, you know, to hopefully avoid a fine. Because they find people for not having it on outdoors. In a supermarket, yeah, I have to wear it. I have to buy food. But I cut my own hair. You know, I don't even go to the hairdresser. I'm basically boycotting everyone. I haven't bought any clothes. Nothing. Nothing. I know there are listeners right now and their mouths are agape because I know you're telling the truth. In in Madrid, they, they expect people to wear these things when they're out and about doing their business. I mean, yes. this is astonishingly mad. This is mental. I mean, Early it's, in the morning, you see a single lone dog walker with a mask oh, on. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I live on a busy street, so I see everything from my balcony. So, you know, it's insane. It's insane. Mother walking with a pram with her baby by herself, mask on. 35 degrees outside. 
So, you know, they are just so compliant in Spain. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Imagine, so. imagine these people that were so... Because my experience of Spain when we lived there was that people had... They had a lot of disdain for authority. You know, they didn't, they didn't like the police, whether it was the Policia Local or the Guardia Seville. When I say they didn't like them, you know, they took a fairly dim view of them. And it was understood where we lived in Marbella, San Pedro, and then further down the coast towards Gibraltar, down, down the other end of the coast. You know, people, you kind of got the impression that they were, there was a natural embedded suspicion of authority. And yet you're telling me now they're running around outside with their masks on. Well, I think that's partially that suspicion is also based in the fact that they are compliant because they're afraid of the repercussions because they do grab right. onto you pretty toughly if you if you are not complying with the mask rule. I mean, there's videos going around because I try to follow a lot of like-minded people in Spain. Unfortunately, I haven't met anyone personally I can have a coffee with. So if anybody's listening in Madrid, you know, I'm happy to do a coffee. I'm Elizabeth Thirst on Twitter. Reach out. I'll gladly do a cup of coffee and take a walk together with you without a mask. Um, but I just haven't found anybody personally. But there's plenty of videos out there with police violence, you know, taking out the batons, yeah, yeah. beating up on people if you're walking around without a mask. And if you even dare say anything back or, you know, that's why I have mine on my wrist. You know, OK, I'll just play the game. I don't want the fine. I can't afford it. You know, so I'm not going to take it. They were brutal. The other- they were brutal at times with the North African immigrants. Brutal. I, I saw yes. I saw a couple of incidents now. Oh, definitely. yeah, yeah. When and they were, and it bordered. You know, I'm I'm somebody who rails against the overuse of the term racist. I hate the way it's used to explain away everything and anything. But some of the stuff I saw now, I didn't see. Look, I, I don't want to over exaggerate it, but I, I did see a couple of incidents that were pretty brutal, and there was very little I could do. I mean, you were yeah. dealing with guys that were armed to the teeth, like, and Exactly. And I vicious. mean, what are you going to say? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a gun. Yeah. You know, if it was the Wild West, I might be tempted to, you know, play Annie Oakley. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no, know, I, I, I made my displeasure clear, but I was basically told to fuck off, basically, in Spanish. Yeah, exactly. You know, I said, look, it's you know, go, go easy on the guy, you know. And they look at you and they, put, point, they, they turn those guns, you know, and, and take out the batons and you think, I'm going to get my head kicked in here. And before you know it, they've thrown the guy into a car and they've driven off anyway, so you don't know. Right, right. You know, so yeah. 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 There's one more thing I, I wanted to say is I also follow a lot of the Dutch politics and uh, the Dutch situation because I speak Dutch. And uh, I was listening to an interesting show, and I'll keep it really short. I can send more info in an email. But basically there was a lawyer-type person who also has a lot of uh, – information from back situations with the swine flu, et cetera, et cetera. So he was well-versed with what the situation legally was then. And what it boiled down to is he, he was being interviewed. He said, it boils down to that we will never go, at least in the Dutch system anywhere with this, because the elites in the Netherlands will never allow it to happen because in the law is enshrined that they would be uh, basically financially responsible for all the damage that they have caused. And the damage is so great in the Netherlands. I mean, they are totally breaking down the small, medium businesses. It's, it's horrific. So he says just because of that lone reason, and he gave other reasons, and it's too long to explain in this call, um, he explained how this could never happen 
So it will never happen in the Netherlands. They will just march ahead. So unless civil di disobedience stores opening because they've had a very, very long lockdown, they're still just partially opening up. Yeah, that's right. Much like Britain, it's this similar situation. So he said it would never happen. And I think two great guests that do a lot of great interviews that speak English very well and have had some really interesting guests on that are from the Dutch perspective, but also international perspective as Flavio Pasquin, Pasquino from Black Box TV and Jorn Luca, um, who has his own show and just recently started interviewing. And he has very long interviews of like two hours long where he just goes into great depth with doctors, with the juristen as they call them basically yeah. people in the legal profession and what have you and they might be very interesting guests for well, you at some drop, point drop me um drop me a message with those names won't you and uh and, and, I, and i'll get on it elizabeth good okay to, good to i will let you go so good you to yeah i'm going to try and take another one. couple of quick calls yeah before I, I run out of time good luck thank to, you very much and all my best to you and you and, too uh, now with your daughter going, going to germany in uni that must be tough for you so just the best keep positive think positive thank you thank you not thank at you. all that's elizabeth there in madrid um she's not from madrid madrid originally obviously elizabeth and uh did phone in i think a couple of uh a couple of months ago. Right, I'm going to take a couple of quick calls um, before I run out of time. You are with the Richie Allen Radio Show. Uh, by the way, when you do get through, if, you, if you've got me on some device in the background, please just turn it down just to save us a bit of time. Um, it is Monday's programme. I do have some very interesting guests lined up this week. The Freds, by the way. That's right, said Fred Richard and Fred Fairbrass. Absolute gentlemen, lovely blokes. I've gotten to know them a little bit over the years. They did a wonderful, we, we, had, a, we had a fantastic hour of radio back in late last year. I think it was November time. We had a lot of laughs. They're lovely, lovely lads, the Freds. Hugely successful, uh, the Freds, of course. And um, they're coming back on Wednesday. So they're going to be on with me for an hour on Wednesday. And I, I've already got some other guests booked in as well. I'm pretty full tomorrow anyway. Hey, caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? It's Brenda from Belfast. Can you hear me okay? Brenda, I can hear you loud and clear. How are you? Yeah, not so bad. Um, I, I have a few things I want to say, but maybe the first thing I should say is that I do have a science background. I have worked in vaccination programs in the past. I have worked in universities, um, but I don't want to sort of blow on about that. Um, it's really the fact that I have been encountering people when I'm out and about who are reporting things to me that have suddenly arisen after vaccination. And it's uh, flare-ups of autoimmune conditions, some of which have been um, in remission for decades, are suddenly appearing. Um, I'm not going around asking people about these things. They are asking me because they know um, of what uh, I was engaged in in my work previous work life because I'm now a retiree. Um, academic, was it, was, it, was it, Brenda? Was it an, an academic background in sciences of some sorts? Yeah. Yeah, yes, I have an academic background in science, but I also worked in community medicine after being in, in hospital and I uh, went into health visiting and I have done paediatrics and I've right. done uh, midwifery, etc., etc. So, um, but I've always kept it up with science. I've always been equally fascinated and horrified as things have pro progressed in science. Um, I don't claim to be an absolute expert, but I can talk at an academic level. But I'm fully aware that one of the um, possible uh, implications of this gene therapy is uh, an autoimmune response, 
whether it be a new one or reactivation of old ones. Now, there's a neighbour of mine, obviously, I don't want to be given any names or given any location because they may not appreciate it. But uh, she had uh, shingles a number of years back. She then developed uh, an autoimmune uh, permanent, what was told was going to be a permanent uh, condition because of that. And fortunately for her, it did go into remission for a couple of years. And as soon as she's had her second uh, in vaccination, this has all uh, re-emerged. And it's an extremely uh, painful condition. Um, I've had uh, people I know who have had only uh, eczema as a child, and they're now in their 50s and 60s, and have only had a reactivation. I've asked them to uh, inquire of their GP. Yeah. Could it be this autoimmune response? And they all come back and saying, well, it's this stress of the situation, the lockdowns and everything else. But they never had that. They said they're actually less stressed now until they got the vaccine, if you understand what I mean. I do understand. Can we stay with this for a minute? This is very interesting. So they go to the GP and they say, I had my vaccine and look, I've got eczema again. I haven't had it for 30, 40, 50 years. What's going on? And the GP says, oh, you're stressed because it's been such a difficult 12 months or 14 months. Um, that's what they're getting back and people are coming to you and saying having this autoimmune well they don't say autoimmune but they say look shingles or whatever after the vaccination they say this to you Brenda because you've had a background in, in, in science Wow. And, and vaccination. I, I engaged in vaccination programs in the community uh, many, many years ago, yes. In, in school pro- vaccination programs, infant uh, vaccination programs, and sometimes even travel vaccination, you know, for people going abroad. Yeah, so I have that information. But these are some, t- some of these people are also people that would ask, have, over the years have always asked me, you know, if they, ha- if they haven't felt they got a satisfactory response from their GP, if you understand what I'm saying. No, I do, yeah. I wanted to have a, a conversation, you know. Brenda, I I, I take my, er, er, it's not even ours, it's Caroline's dog, she loves Caroline. I take her out every morning really early. And yeah. I, meet, I meet a lady regularly. Uh, she won't, I don't think she listens, and I don't think she'd mind me saying this anyway. And she's in her early 80s. And she's a lovely woman, incredibly intelligent, really articulate. I love meeting her. I get a lot out of her, um, speaking to her. She said to me, um, she doesn't know very much about the radio show at all, other than I do a radio show. It might be music as far as she's concerned. So she says to me, um, this terrible thing, she says, I'm sneezing all the time and sneezing and sneezing. And I'm irritable around my nose and stuff. And I said, well, what's going on? And she said, well, the doctor reckons that I have to do an asthma test. I might have asthma. And she said, I don't believe it. And I said, what do you think it is? She said, this began after my second dose. I said, when did you get the second dose? She said, in April. And I said, since then, you're going around constantly, nose running, sneezing, feeling lousy. And she said, yeah, pretty much. Now, she's a stoic, right, Brenda? She's an older woman, so she's a stoic, like, you know, she's she's a war survivor. And she said, uh-huh. well, it, it wouldn't be 24-7, Richie, but it's pretty much every day. And she said to me, I think it's got something to do with the vaccine. Now, she didn't say that to me because she knows anything about this radio show. She doesn't. And she was just going, going about her business. And I just thought to myself, Jesus wept, you know, maybe it is the vaccine. Yeah. Maybe. You see, she's going down the logical progression of thinking, you know, the critical what thinking line be? that most yeah. of us would do. You make connections. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that um, it has act- 
activated some kind of sensitivity to something in her everyday environment. It could be a hay fever type response, or it could be something else within her own environment, or it could even be an allergic response, sensitivity response to some other element of this injection, because there are other elements other than the active component that is used to make sure it's number one, delivered to where they want it to be delivered in the body. And number two, to make sure it stays permanent in the body, just like there are with ordinary traditional vaccines, such as aluminium, etc, etc. But they have used different components in this that she may have a sensitivity to and that may be provoking this particular reaction. That's just a surmise. I can only surmise. I can't obviously die. No, 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 it's good. It's, you, made, you made perfect sense to me. You've obviously yes. said no, thanks, Brenda. How? Oh, God. Of course you I, have. I, you see, I'm very lucky in one way. I, I had an anaphylactic reaction to penicillin years ago. So when my GP, I'm in the age group to be offered quite early So as, as an OAP. So I was offered the Pfizer one. And then when I reminded my GP that I couldn't take the Pfizer one, not that I'd ever have intention, but I thought I'll, I'll give, go, go through that route first to see what they would offer. And she says, well, we're not given the AstraZeneca one. And that was months and months ago. She says, um, uh, if I can find... Uh, an outlet for you, then uh, I'll let you know when that arises. Nice. So they get sent. So one of their practice nurses then phoned me uh, about three months ago and said, "Yes, the Ulster Hospital, which is just close to where I live, uh, are having these open sessions for people with um, a history of anaphylaxis." I just never bothered contacting. Nobody's got back to me. I haven't been mithered. So I, 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 at the moment, I'm under the radar. But the other thing is that I would also be quite prone to bruise and even though my clotting time on any blood tests is normal I would be quite open prone to bruising which they have never discovered what it is but other than that sort of reasonably healthy but that is also a contraindication because um, there have been some micro bleeds and others so I can even use, pass it off as a me legal reason I mean a medical reason not to accept having said that as far as I'm concerned everybody has a medical reason Absolutely. not to accept Absolutely, it's, Brenda. It's potentially lethal. It's potentially <laughs> that, that lethal. That itself is a good enough medical reason. Brilliant, Brenda. And do you mind me asking, I shouldn't do this because it's going to sound, it's going to come across as very, I don't know, I don't know, I wouldn't say arrogant, but um, how did you end up listening to this programme? Through, uh, we see, years ago I um, was in contact with Vernon Coleman and then he was on the, there was, a, was it the Birmingham sh- something from Birmingham years ago that used to be on BBC One, uh, Pebble Mill at One or something. Pebble it used to be one, on. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? You old, you're not old enough, are you? I am, I am, yeah. 46, oh, so I do remember it. Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and over the years, occasionally, we would have conversed. I read his books, and I had another reason, personal reason, to contact him sort of about five or six years ago, which I won't go into. But then I saw his... Um, uh, videos on YouTube and then of course he mentioned you so that's how the word gets spread I um, email, I um, WhatsApp your show every time uh, it's complete and up in the podcast to various people that, that I know and that's how I get it around because they may not have the time or remembering because they're so busy doing other things including other sites so I make sure they get them on the WhatsApp and then they listen to them automatically Brilliant, Brenda. It's really lovely to meet you. And you're, and you're, and you're a Belfast. Are, are you a Belfast girl, born and bred? 
My, my parents were originally from Belfast. I was born in uh, Buckinghamshire in England, came over here at the beginning of the Troubles, and no, I wasn't responsible before you start. <laughs> was it you? Was it, was it you? <laughs> so I've been here from the beginning of the 70s, yes. I've been here through all the turmoil and uh, everything else, yes. I'd and love to have a drink with you, Brenda. I, I'd love to have a drink <laughs> with you and talk about that. No, I would, honestly. Oh, dear, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a p- period of history I'm fascinated by and and uh, no, I, I really would. I'm uh, more or less just out of time. I'm uh, glad you got through. Thanks f- for for saying that. Uh, you oh, know, you're welcome. P- people need to hear. And, it, don't and, they? and I've also just recently sort of joined your community. I don't know. I I, I don't do Twitter. I, th- that would be too time consuming and too diverting for me uh, because I have other responsibilities. My mother seriously ill, etc. But um, I I am on your um, forum. You know the community forum on your. Are you on the website? Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. It seems to be quite a small uh, group in there, but we have a good bit of banter and exchange, and it's, it's, it's lovely. Well, thanks very much, Brenda, and good luck with your mum. You're mom. welcome. All the best to your mum too, and thanks for coming right. on. I appreciate it. Thank you very oh, much. I do mean that. I do mean it. Lovely to meet you. That was Brenda there. And uh, look, I'm, I'm, that's about it for today. I can't take any more calls, but I do see there are two or three people trying to get through. I'll mark because I can see you, you're on Skype, I'll mark who you are and I make sure that next time I open the phones, which will be in a couple of weeks probably, maybe less than a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll make sure you get on. That's a promise now, by the way. I'll make sure you get on first. All right, I've, I've got you there. I see Alan is there. I see Ron is there. I'll make sure you get you get on first next time, all right? Okay, that's um, more or less it for the programme. Thanks to everybody who, who did get through. If you didn't get through, apologies. It's kind of potluck, really. I'll be back with you tomorrow, Tuesday, at the same time, 5 o'clock. I will have guests and we will have a good chat with those guests. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Take care of yourselves and one another. And I'm leaving you with some REM. I just dragged out some REM. I got this new album of all these, I don't know, rock songs from the 90s. See you tomorrow. Bye now.